Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Good to be in God's house. I did this earlier today. This I'm an early service person, so let me look around, see what the late bunch looks like. Though I'm normally here about the time y'all get here, but I am the early church. They, they figured out how to get me here real early. They asked me to speak. I was like, my gosh, I got here at 8 o'clock this morning. I was ready to go. But it's a privilege. If it's your first time here, thank you for being here. Come back. It'll get better. Pastor will be back soon. You'll have a great time. We appreciate our pastor and his family so much. And it makes me feel good that not only do we have a church that's more than one fella, we have a church that can run and run smoothly, and we're going to have a good time today. And I'm honored to be here. So let me go ahead and get it out of the way. Come on, somebody. We're going to have a good time. People come to my comedy shows. They're like, where do you get that? You're about to find out. This is where I got it, in the church. I, I do comedy. I've been a comedian for about two years as of this month. Uh, my birthday, which I'm getting old, man. My birthday's Tuesday. I have to think about it. Yeah, it is Tuesday. I AARP qualified about a year ago, so you can do the math, figure out how old I am. But on my birthday two years ago, I went to my first open mic, did three, decided to turn pro. And I've done 155 comedy shows over the last two years that I've headlined and done. Thank you. I appreciate that. I've done 4,000 sermons in my young life. But doing this today, listen, I've done dry bar comedy I've spoken places with a lot of folks, and I was more thinking, man, this is as serious as anything I've ever done because I've been trusted by a man that's a vibrant, growing church to come in and bring a word of encouragement and a word from the Lord today, so I'm honored to do it. And if you're watching online, God bless you. We're glad you're listening and watching. If you live close, put some pants on and get on down here. I mean, it ain't that far away. And I laugh. People says, oh, I'm going to watch online. I said, they're in their PJs, and I understand. I would be too. But we got a great thing going here and love for you to be a part. Uh, I'm honored. I have three sons, and my youngest son's here with me today. And I'm honored to have him with me and his girlfriend. And then some of my best friends in the world, Ray and Janie Beth, are here. And, and Ray turns water into wine for a living. So he understands Jesus. You know, he's all about the... Uh, Jesus himself, and they've been some of my best friends for years now, and the early service had folks I hadn't seen that came out to be a part, so I did all that to say this. What we're going to do today is stay right in tune to what pastor's been preaching on where to start and those things in life, but what I want to talk to you today, and if you got your Bible, if you'll turn to Philippians 3, and we're going to look at the 12th verse, and... I laugh, man. I'm an old man. I can't put my Bible on the phone or on an iPad. I need bigger picture, you know, bigger letters to, to see what's going on. So I brought my old school Bible. You know, I got one of these big Bibles that everybody knew I believed in something when I went, you know, I went to church or I went somewhere. But we're going to be in Philippians 3, and I'm going to start in verse 12. The Apostle Paul was saying, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. 
But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on. Everybody say press on. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There in verse 12, it says, I press on to take hold. Now, I have, I mentioned, three sons. Over the last 15 years, I've had a high school athlete for 14. Then I, you think about middle school, rec ball, all that. Basically, the last 25 out of 26 years, I've been in a ball field, a gym, or something all the time. That was my free time. That's what I did for a hobby. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself now because that ended last week when Pete's team uh, got put out of the playoffs in his senior year, so it's over. But two of my boys played basketball. I mean, I love basketball. And here's what we do travel teams. I know Pastor and Ashley, they, they work well. Let's be honest. Ashley coaches the team. We know that if you go to church here, but Pastor Arm's a big part of it too. And uh, you'll learn something. If you know basketball, you'll know what I'm about to say. You can't beat anybody till you learn how to handle a press in basketball. If you can't handle a press, you ain't going to beat anybody any good. Anything great is going to first start with learning how to handle pressure. And man, when my middle son got started in basketball, he got picked up on a travel team and we started playing with these guys and practicing. And what they would do for hours upon hours was teach them how to break a press because the good teams are going to press you the whole game. And man, I've been a part of teams and you go to these travel ball tournaments and you'll play somebody and they press the whole game and they'll beat somebody 80 to 2. And you're thinking, that don't sound like Jesus right there, 80 to 2. It does when you're the 80. I mean, you know, it feels pretty good, I guess. And, and some people get mad because they kept pressing. But I liked it because the only time you can learn how to overcome it is to keep facing it until you do overcome it. And lo and behold, we'd get back to practice, we'd work, and this team out of Chattanooga beat us. I mean, they beat us by 40 points. And I thought, we'll get them one day. And they had this kid, man, Jack was in third grade. And they had this kid on that team in Chattanooga that they found from a foreign country. And, and he had a birth certificate somewhere. I don't know where. But it was, he was a lot older than what third grade was. I remember one of the boys looks and says, man, that kid's got armpit hair. My gosh, he's a grown boy. That man's voice, he's got a deep voice, and he's in third grade. And lo and behold, he was a little bigger, a little bit older, and a little bit faster. And when he pressed, you knew it. And they beat us by 40. We played them again. We worked on it. We got a little better. They beat us by 20. Played them again. It was a two or three possession game. Then the fourth game, after about six to eight months, us learning how to handle it, we beat them. Never saw a coach as mad as I saw the coach for that team out of Chattanooga. Because here's what I've learned. When people put pressure on you, when you learn how to resist it and overcome it, they let up because they get frustrated. And that sounds like somebody else we know. I mean, the, uh, the author of lies, he gets frustrated. He is the author of frustration. That's what he knows. And I want to encourage you today that you've got to learn to press on when it comes pressure. When the title we, of the message today is uh, how to press on when the pressure's coming. You know, how to keep pressing through. Because if you're not facing any kind of pressure, let me look around. Do me one thing. You know, normally, and I love when pastors say, turn and tell this, turn to tell that. 
and I watch people come to church. I've been a pastor. I was a pastor 28 years. You know why we say turn to your neighbor and say something? Because some of you have been married a long time and you argued all the way to church. And the only time we can get you to talk, be nice to one another, <laughs> might be during that little brief spot, you know. But I will tell you this. When you, uh, when you face these things and when pressure comes, and, and we'll get to what I want to say on that little comment for you, but you've got to understand that when pressure comes, and it is going to come, do this for me. Everybody just take these two fingers, hold them in the air. Thank you. And then put them right here on your wrist. Do you have a pulse this morning? Miss, check him. Check him. Make sure. Yes. Okay. If you've got a pulse, then there's pressure. You ain't exempt. I remember I had a guy come to my church office one time when I was a pastor, and he didn't know much. Bless him. You know, we're in the South. Bless your heart. That means what an idiot for you guys watching up north. <laughs> he said to me, Pastor, I need you to pray your bestest prayer for me. I said, I don't have a bestest prayer. I need you to pray hard for me, Pastor. I don't pray hard. I pray scriptural. You pray the word of God, it shouldn't be that difficult. Just speak what God says, you know. Pray hard for me. Pray your best this prayer. He goes, you gotta pray the devil leave me alone. I can't handle it. He just won't leave me alone. And he kept going and going. It's just me and him in the office. I said, okay, I'll do it. Bow your head. He not only bowed his head, he got on his knees and lifted his hands up to heaven because he was being real religious about it. He said, pray that the devil will leave me alone. I said, I'll do it. I said, God, kill this man right now. <laughs> Drop him dead right here in the church office. My God, his eyes popped up. He said, what are you doing? The only way you're going to avoid the devil is to be dead. The only way you're going to avoid being harassed or being tempted is to be dead. So which one do you want? Oh, I want to live. <laughs> he, he came alive, boy. He came alive then. He was ready to live. And I told him, I said, listen, the apostle Paul said that, not Pastor Brock, not Pastor Arm, not Big Rich. The apostle Paul said, not that I've already obtained all this or that I've been made perfect, I'm pressing on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul said, brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Man, he hadn't even arrived. And he's the apostle Paul, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he's smart enough to know that this is a work in progress. It doesn't just happen. Man, I remember when I got saved, I was 21 years old. My mom and daddy woke up one Sunday morning and said, we're going to church. I said, y'all have a good time. They said, no, you're going. I said, I don't really want to go. And my daddy said, well, you don't really have a choice. Amen. And he said, well, that ain't nice. And my daddy said, you want to pay your own bills? Get your own place to live? Buy your own groceries? No, not really. Well, then get dressed. Now, see, today you couldn't do that. Today somebody would start a GoFundMe page for me for my pain and suffering. Bless his heart, go through that. No, my daddy said, get up and get ready. And I told him, I said, I just don't want to go. He goes, boy, you're why we're going. I said, I think you're supposed to go to church because of Jesus. He said, Jesus said to bring you. I said, all right, here we go. We went to the First Baptist Church in Chickamauga, Georgia. Why'd y'all go there, Big Rich? Closest church to the house. I sure am glad the Wiccas wasn't meeting down the street. I mean, you know, because Daddy just said, closest one. We showed up at the First Baptist Church, walked in. I listened to the word of God, listened to the message. We got in the car. He said, uh, be ready at 5.30. We're going back tonight. 
I said, my God, they have church at night. Why? People, I mean, is it a replay for the people that fell asleep in the morning? I mean, I don't get it. We got there. They let me out. And he said, me and your mama's going to eat. We'll be back to pick you up. <laughs> True. I said, well, why? He goes, we're good, but you need it. I did that for three months. I got born again, sitting there hearing the word of God. Called into ministry a month later. Six, six months after being just a heathen, didn't know anything about nothing, I'm preaching the gospel in my hometown. And they hired me to be a youth pastor. Man, that's some people of faith. You think the Baptists don't have faith? They hired me to be the youth pastor after six months. I went down to my old high school and I started telling people about Jesus and I asked the principal if I could come in there. I said, hey, I'm here to visit people and tell them about Jesus. He said, no, really, what are you doing here? I said, I came here to tell people about Jesus. He said, no, seriously. And I said, no, I work up at the church. He called the church office to confirm. True story. He didn't believe it. And then they let me in finally. And that's what I did for a little while. And then lo and behold, his life came and I, and I went through growing and learning and, and spending time in God's word. I kept growing and I kept realizing it doesn't matter what your title is, whether you're a winemaker, a preacher, an electrician, have a heat and air business, a school teacher, doesn't matter what your title is, we all have to learn how to press on. Because if you don't learn how to handle pressure, pressure's gonna handle you. Apostle Paul said, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. When the pressure comes, here's what's funny in basketball, sometimes they start off with a half, course, half court press. They'll give you a little bit of time and then they jump on you. Other teams do a full court press. I mean, from the moment you tip the ball, it's on. And the pressure is on you constantly. And until you learn how to rise up in the midst of pressure, you're not going to be successful. And that's what we're here to talk about today. In verse 14, Paul said, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We've got to forget what is behind and look to what is ahead. Man, if you focus on your past, you're, you're defeated already. I always like that saying, man, you know, we said in the church back, back when some of y'all weren't born yet, you know, if, if the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Come on, somebody. I think I had that on a T-shirt I used to wear out to church, man. You know, that was a good one. But I'm here to tell you, the past is over. Even the good things. Man, you can't live on just your past laurels. You've got to overcome some stuff. But remind yourself what God has done for you and what he's doing through you. It's not what you have been in. It, there ain't nobody in here, nobody, no, not one, that's too bad for God not to love. God loves us all. Man, you cannot do anything to separate you from the love of God except not receive Jesus as your Savior. It's amazing. I believe God's calling us to be encouragers to one another. And, and we see that through the scriptures. Let me read you this passage in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. In the King James, for you King James people. I used to get asked by a pastor, hey, what Bible do you read out of? The Holy Bible. No, no, what translation? English. I just like messing with people. Can you? No wonder I'm into comedy. You know, and, and people say, oh, what translation of the Bible do you think is correct? The one you'll read and listen to and obey. 
I mean, we'll just take whatever you'll do at this point. I don't think God's too upset if it's King James NIV or message or whatever. Just obey what it says. Try to put it into practice in our lives. And he said here in Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Man, that's good news. Rick Flair's here tonight, God, or today. God bless you. Heard a whoo. I like the nature boy. I laugh, laugh. Let me tell you about my weekend. Friday night, I was at the uh, theater in Cartersville doing a comedy show. And last night, I'm at the Limit Bar and Grill in Ringo. Don't get religious on me. Those people need the Lord too. I got a better response from them than I did some of y'all today. Come on, somebody. My God, I was up here doing my comedy and a guy from the bar said, preach, preacher. And I did for a little bit. And he, he, kind of, he was all stirred up, boy, having a time. I finished the show. I was loading up my stuff. I was wore out. It was 12 at night. I had an hour and a half drive home. I knew I had to be here early. I was getting in a car, and somebody came up behind me, and it was him. I thought, oh, my Lord. I was ready. To, I said, where's a, the where's a security team when you need one? My gosh, you know. I said, give me two of these guys to take on the road. And he comes up behind me. He said, hey, would you pray for me? I said, man, I'll do it. I said, what's going on in your life? He said, what's not? And we sit there and talk for 10 minutes. And see, that would have never happened if I'd stayed at the house and didn't follow my dream and follow my purpose. That happened because I was willing, just like you're willing. And man, I ministered to him, encouraged him, loved on him. And I told him, I said, hey, I've got to be in Dallas, Georgia in the morning. Or I said, I've got to be in Dallas in the morning. He'd had a few drinks. He said, Texas? I said, no, nah, man, Georgia. He goes, oh, oh, I said, you can watch it online. So if you're watching online today, take you a couple more Advil. <laughs> Hang in there. We're going to get there. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5 and 21 said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You've been made the righteousness of God because of Jesus the Christ, not because of the works you do. Man, you can't do enough to get in the kingdom of heaven. There's people in our families that are sitting at home today, and they're saying, I'm going to wait until I'm good enough to come to church. It ain't going to happen. I remember one time I was pastoring, this guy said, I don't go to church because of all the hypocrites. I said, brother, we can suck it in, make room for two more, bring you and your wife. I said, it's all right, we got room for you. If that was for you watching today, hang in there. <laughs> we can make room, we got a couple, we got some spots. No, we're made righteous because of what Jesus the Christ did for us. God made him who had no sin. Man, think about that. Man, he was, he was made sin so that we could be free from sin. He went through the ultimate pressure so that you and I could be free. See, we still are under oppressed, but there ain't nobody that's been crucified on a cross for you except him. None of us have went through the things that he went through so that you and I could be free today. Man, we have so many liberties and so many things that we are blessed by, and we've got to learn how to stay focused and to press on in the midst of the pressure. Because if your purpose in life, if you don't have any pressure, I'm going to doubt that's truly your purpose. 
Because if you're going to do, listen, your purpose, you know, we've talked about that for a couple of weeks. Your purpose or your dream has to be bigger than yourself. If it's not bigger than yourself, then I question, is that truly what you're called to do? All of us are called to do certain things. But to find your purpose and to find what you're supposed to be doing in your tenure on this planet, man, life is a vapor. Man, I laugh. My, my sweet aunt, man, my... It's been a week. I, I'm going to tell you, everybody thinks, boy, I wish I could get up here and preach. I wish I could get in the pulpit. Well, brace yourself. You know, the Bible says not everybody ought to be teachers. And that's not just because you've got to study the Bible a little bit. It's because all the pressure that people have to go through to be able to deliver something for the people of God. That's why I commend and, and are so honored to have our pastor doing what he's called to do. See, I used to have a pulpit that was clear. It was kind of clear glass, had a little room in it. And one night I was preaching, we had about seven, 800 people up in there on a Sunday night. And I said something, I said, my God, if you feel called to get in this pulpit, lift your hands to heaven. And two old boys, that were at church all the time, both of them wanted to preach, they lifted their hands. I said, run on up here. They ran up here, got up on the stage, and they thought they was gonna stand up here and preach, and I said, get in the pulpit. So I said, get on in there. And I stuck one of them inside the pulpit. He was in there, he was in there you know, just looking around. He goes, this is uncomfortable. This is embarrassing. This isn't what I thought it was gonna be. I said, welcome to the ministry. Welcome to the ministry, my friend. Welcome to handling pressure when the pressure is on you, how to press through. Now, I want you to look at this passage today in Colossians, the third chapter, if you got your Bibles. I, see, I, I didn't go to vacation Bible school until I taught it. So I learned this. Being a Georgia boy, I learned how to find the books of the Bible. Georgia Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's how I kept up with it. I taught the kids that. I learned more to vacation Bible school as a teacher than I'd learned in 21 years of walking on this planet. And I remember as I, I was thinking about this scripture, I said, oh, I know where that is. Now, I want you to hear this when in verse 12, it says, therefore is God's chosen people. Say this out loud. Say, I'm chosen by God. You are. It was hard for, a couple, for some of you to say that because you don't feel worthy. Well, I got news for you. We're not. Don't, don't be dismayed by our confidence because it comes from Christ. It's not in us. I mean, none of us are worthy of that. We are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself with compassion. You want to learn how to press on when the pressure's on you? You've got to clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You've got to clothe yourself. Man, when you got ready for church this morning, you clothed yourself. Well, most of you did. Some of you, some of you just put on what you wear, you know. I think there's a reason some of these guys volunteer around here. They just want to wear that black shirt. It makes life easier. You've got to think about what you've got to wear every week. My gosh, you've got to think about stuff. You've got to clothe yourself. You get ready to go somewhere, you got to clothe yourself. I, there's nothing worse than being 56 years, 56 years old and calling one of your buddies who's in your age bracket and saying this, hey, what are y'all wearing to this thing? I'm a grown man. It shouldn't matter. But you got to ask. I did a black tie affair in Chickamauga, Georgia, my hometown. I got there, wasn't a black tie in the place. 
for you Dallas, Georgia people, county folks, black tie means tuxedo. Just filling you in there. Nobody wore one. I thought, my gosh, I'm glad I didn't rent one. I called and said, what should we wear? He goes, just, you know, church or funeral clothes. Welcome to the Bible Belt. I get in there and I thought, Boy, I'm glad that I asked because you've got to clothe yourself and you want to be clothed properly. But when it comes to this, these aren't garments. You've got to put on the helmet of salvation. You've got to put on the full armor of God. The Bible doesn't say that um, Jesus is going to put that on you. No, it says you put on the full armor of God. Now, it's provided for you, but you've got to put it on. You've got to put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, gird yourselves with your loins with truth, all those things. But in this instance, hear me today, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Come on, somebody. That's what we're talking about today. Well, that don't sound fun. I thought we was going maybe, you know, I came over here to see you cut loose and see you, you know, lay people out like cork wood, like we used to say back in the day. You know, pull your Benny Hinn stuff out or do this or do that. Or to get to those spiritual things, you got to clothe yourself with humility first and kindness and patience. You've got to do these things and be patient. Verse 13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. All right, Big Rich, you meddling now. I liked it when you were funny, told a joke or two. First service, somebody showed up that was at my show Friday night. They said, I came over here to see if you told the same jokes on Sunday as you do on Friday. I said, I don't tell the same ones on Saturday <laughs> that I do on Friday. I mix it up. But I'm telling you, this isn't a joke. If you want to overcome, if you want to be successful, if you want to be able to press through when pressure's being applied to you, you've got to forgive whatever grievances you have against each other. And honestly, you've got to start with yourself. If you can't forgive yourself, it's going to be hard to forgive other people. I meet people in my life, in my line of work, that they'll love people and forgive other people, but they've never forgiven themselves. Free and be encouraged. You can't, you can't do anything to separate you from the love of God. Man, you know, this is one of my greatest truths and revelations I ever learned. You can't surprise God. When I was a little boy, I'm an only child. I know that's hard to tell. My mama, I used to love scaring my mama for fun. Man, and she was a little five-foot, little sweet woman, just precious. She was like Joel Osteen before he was ever on the planet, just always smiling, happy, just nice and praying for people and sweet. She'd come around the corner singing hymns or songs or whistling, and I'd jump out. <laughs> exactly. And man, she'd jump out of her skin. And then I'd wait about five minutes and do it again. <laughs> and then but finally she's like, you got to go outside. She's in there praying for it to quit raining so she can get a break, man, get a little relief. But I love doing that. And the revelation came to me, you can't surprise God. You can't go up to God and go, boo. He, he ain't surprised. He's seen it all. He knows it all. And he loves you anyway. He loves us in spite of what we've done, what we've thought, or what we're gonna do. He is love. Man, God is love, and love never fails, so God never fails. 
Come on, somebody. God never fails. He doesn't make junk, and you were created by him and for him. And he ain't done with us. Man, we are going to press through. We are going to learn. In verse 14, it says, And over all these things put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and to be thankful. We've got to be thankful today, church. We've got to take time to give thanks. Oh, I do. I do, Big Rich. I pray over my meal every time, all 17 of them. No, we ain't talking about just that. We're talking about being thankful, taking time to rehearse your victories, taking time to remember the things that God has done for you. What are you thankful for? I promise you, you've got some, oh, it's hard for me right now. I'm under the press. See, I remember, <laughs> you know, my pastor days, you know, you'd have them people, you know, they'd want to testify. Oh, Pastor Brock, can I testify? You know what my first response always was? No. No. Because most of the people that wanted to testify, it was about eight minutes of talking about what the devil had done to them. Man, the devil had beat my brains out this week for church. The devil came against me. The devil did this and the devil did that. You can tell what kind of church I preached in when I get talking about this. And then talk about the devil for five, six minutes. And I'd finally stop and say, hey, what did God do for you? Because your testimony is not always about the test. You gotta get to the money. Come on, somebody. You gotta get on the other side of it. It's not just about what you went through. It's about how you've overcame it. And I'm not gonna stand up here and tell you anything that I hadn't had to overcome myself. I, and continually, I understand what pressure is. And you've been there, I've been there, and we've all faced different things, but at the same time, there's nothing uncommon this happened to man. Somebody sitting here today feels like they're the only one. There's somebody right, maybe two rows behind you has already been through it and overcame it. Man, I was under a press. I, I think about, man, I was in a place and I thought, I was a pastor for 28 years. I went through a divorce that I didn't see coming. You know, I look back at it and I could see it, but it just, I didn't ever expect it. And when it happened, I thought, man, I just feel defeated. I feel like I'm a failure. I feel like I don't have anything to give anybody. And at the same time, my sweet mama that I talked about today had been battling an illness that she was homebound for four years. My father took care of her. 98% of her care was done by him, 2% by other family members. He said, that's my wife of 56 years. He goes, that is my assignment from God to honor her. I made a vow to her, and I will complete my mission on this planet no matter what. And he did it. And I went through that. I went through that divorce. I decided I had nothing to give. I didn't feel like being a pastor any longer. I didn't feel like I could feed God's people. My sweet mama had passed. A year later, my daddy took his life because he couldn't handle the pressure of being without the love of his life. He loved God. He loved the Lord Jesus. But you gotta understand, we don't judge nobody except ourselves. And he went through something he didn't know how to overcome. I'm standing in the midst of all that, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And in the midst of that, I found my purpose, and I found my calling. Online dating. No, I'm teasing. 
I slipped into my comedy show for a minute. I found comedy. See, me saying online dating, that was funny right there. I know we're at church, but you can laugh at church. I first went to church as a little boy. My daddy said, we walked in. He said, don't you even look like you're having fun. I said, well, that'll be easy around here. <laughs> like, I'm telling you. They don't look like they're having no fun in a long time, but here we do. And I went through that, and I, but I found comedy. And comedy became my, my thing. And it became what got me up in the morning besides my children. And it became my purpose. And it got me up in vision and excited. And it brought people into my life like my good friends today. And it's brought people into my life like that guy last night. They said, preach, preacher. And then he follows me out to the parking lot and he says, would you pray for me? Can you encourage me today? See, in the midst of all that, the reason I shared that intimate part of my life with you and with you guys is that's the real world we live in. Pressure is there. The press is on. And just like those kids in third grade playing basketball, until you learn how to handle that pressure, you're always going to be defeated until we go to heaven. But I got news for you. We're supposed to live in this earth with some victory. It ain't all about the sweet by and by. It ain't all about that. It's about the here and now, baby. It's about right here, right now, that I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. I've got the Lord Jesus within me. I've got the Holy Spirit in me, and I'm going to do something for the kingdom. Patience. You've got to be patient, though. My grandma used to say this. Don't pray for patience. God might give it to you. Bless her heart. Again, here we are. Bless her heart. That's not really scriptural because patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Patience is like a muscle. You exercise what you got and it'll grow. Don't be afraid of patience. Patience is a good thing. Patience is the ability to stand and wait without complaining. See, I lost a few of us. You can't complain. You've got you to just... Mm. I'll leave you with this. I've got a few mentors in life, not many, but a few. One of them was a pastor back in my 20s. I worked at a mega church. He was one of the, he was senior pastor. Great man, good man, solid. But before he came to Christ, he, he was 30s before he came to Christ. His wife became a Christian in, his, in her 20s. She'd go to church. He was out. He worked hard, owned his own company. Then he went and he gambled. Every Friday and Saturday night, he was gambling. He'd come in Saturday night in the middle of the night. She's at church praying for him, believing God. Then she started saving a seat at church for him. People tried to sit there. She goes, oh, my husband's sitting there. That joker never been to church. But she'd done that as a demonstration of her faith. She goes, my, my husband's sitting there. Then she got home on Sunday, and she was praying. He wasn't there. He was out spending their money. And the Lord said, why don't you treat him like he is saved? Why don't you treat him like he's everything you want him to be and then some? So that next Saturday night, she made a big dinner. She prepared it. He didn't come home at 6. He didn't come home at 8. He didn't come home at 10. He wasn't home at midnight. She went to bed, heard him coming in 2 o'clock in the morning. She got up. She pulled that warm food out of the oven. She laid a table out there for him. 
She talked about, how was your day? I love you. I sure do appreciate you. She killed him with kindness. He ate that meal. He went to bed. Next week, she did the same thing. The next week, she did the same thing. After four weeks, he broke. That Sunday morning, he said, I'm going with you to church. That very day, he got born again. He received Christ, and now he's preaching the gospel all over the world. And that stuff happens. And it happens because there's people willing to handle the pressure when the press is on. You know how you beat a press? You got to press. You got to press in. In basketball, the way you learn how to beat a press, they, give you, they lay off of you. They're like, we ain't doing that. They're going to score every time. You want, to get, you want the devil to leave you alone a little bit? Do these things we've talked about. Clothe yourself. Compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. Forgive each other. Walk in love. Put on the full armor of God. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and always be thankful. We got to be quick to repent, but we also got to be quick to recover. If you would, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to take a minute right there where you're sitting. The music's going to play. And I just want you to take a moment and examine your own heart. Man, I'm not here to judge you. I got to judge myself so that I'm not judged. All we're here to tell you today is this. Right there where you're sitting and nobody's looking around, this is you and God. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, as the Lord of your life, all you got to do is receive him. You don't have to do anything to earn his love. You just got to receive it. So right there where you're sitting, if that's you, just put your hand on your heart. And just right there where you're sitting, just in that still small voice, just say, Heavenly Father, I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and create in me a clean heart. Well, that sounds too simple. Well, it is because you can't mess up simple now while you're praying you might be in that position where you feel so much pressure in your life you're like I just don't know if I can overcome I got good news for you you're not alone not only is the spirit of God with you God's brought people into your life whether it's this church or your family or some of your close friends that they'll be there for you and even if you do feel alone, remember this. Jesus said, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. You be encouraged today. Then one more thing while we're praying. Yeah. Nobody looking around. If you're at a place in your life where you're like, I just don't know if I feel like living anymore. I think heaven will be easier. Oh, it will be, but it ain't time yet. God is the author and the finisher of your faith. And when you've done all this you can do to stand, keep standing. Talk to somebody. 
pray about it. Come to me. Come to Pastor Randy, Pastor Sean, Pastor Arm, a friend, somebody in this church. And just know that you're never alone. Now, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And we are a thankful people today. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.